from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Our first reading this morning is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are so thankful to have children of all ages here in worship with us again. But at this time, if you're four years old through third grade, you can choose to head to Godly Play. Miss Sarah Kate is over by this door to take you there. Parents, you can pick up your kids at the Worth Room after the service. Our next scripture, scripture reading comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 24. Listen for and hear the word of God. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God. And we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him and he abides in them. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, when I first read the New Testament passage for Youth Sunday, I immediately thought of Christopher Nolan and his Batman movies. Maybe I thought of them because the movies in the trilogy are some of my favorite movies of all time. Even so, some of the themes in the first movie of the trilogy, Batman Begins, fit very well with the scripture. The protagonist of the film, Bruce Wayne, who is also Batman, is really trying to figure out who he is as a person, who he wants to be, and is trying to find ways where he can serve his city. When he has a wild night out on the town and runs into a childhood friend of his named Rachel, he tries telling her that he has changed and is not the snotty rich boy that she grew to know him as a kid. Rachel looked Bruce up and down and told him, Bruce, it's not who we say we are, but what we do that defines us. God asks us to do the same thing in our communities. God calls us to love in truth and in action. Our communities can be the church, school, family, any place where we experience a feeling of fellowship with others. In this letter, John writes, little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. 
This is not to say that loving in word and speech is not beneficial to people in communities. Words and speech can influence and sometimes impact people. However, actions are almost always guaranteed to have an impact on someone. People can lie or give empty promises or lip service, leaving people hurt or without a change in their lives. But when we act in truth and in action, we deliver the message that we believe by how we live. I have been loved in truth and action at First Press. In ninth grade, I began the confirmation process with Paul Dimmick as my mentor. Paul had probably the greatest idea to rope in a young, growing boy like me. He proposed that we meet on Saturdays for breakfast and fellowship. The idea was golden. How could I resist free breakfasts on Saturday mornings? As we made our way around Atlanta's hottest breakfast restaurants, I soon realized that each Saturday I was more excited for my time of fellowship with Paul than I was for the free food. Paul taught me about leadership and pushed me to pursue my passions. Another member of the church that has loved me through the truth and action is Ben Sutherland. I met Ben shortly after moving to Atlanta, and since then, he has been so supportive of me in everything that I do. I've gotten countless texts congratulating me on sports accomplishments, music milestones, and, of course, some trash talk over fantasy football. Ben, too, has been another person in the church who has shown me how to love in truth and action in his family and his church community. There is no space to hide behind words, nor is there a way to prove that an action we have committed is not genuine. God calls us through truth and action for two reasons. First, we simply cannot hide our beliefs from God, so there's no reason to hide behind words and speech. Second, by being honest and living our lives as Jesus did, we spread the good news of the gospel. Jesus teaches us to love everyone as we love ourselves. When we live loving everyone around us, we inspire the people around us to do the same. This love that inspires is usually acted upon in different ways among different people. God's love, this love, is God's love and word that we are tasked to spread throughout the world. God's love, a love that inspires, is shown through passions or gifts that we act on and use. For me, my love that inspires is music. I have been playing the piano in competitions for church and as accompaniment for my school chorus for years. I quickly discovered the power that music has to tap into feelings of emotion and peace. However, it wasn't until the first time I ever played and sang in front of a crowd that I experienced a new and powerful way of sharing God's love with others. I volunteered to perform Billy Joel's Scenes from an Italian Restaurant at the church's weekly Sunday morning breakfast. Not the typical song you would hear at the breakfast, but my repertoire back then was pretty limited. Something I learned that morning is the role music can play in connecting people. After the performance, a man experiencing homelessness came up to me and congratulated me on the performance. I was thrilled to see his connection with me through my music, but a connection is not just a one-way street. Connecting with someone means both parties leave an impact on the life of the other person. The man pulled out a napkin and a pen from his pocket and asked me to sign my autograph. I was ecstatic. Did this man actually think I was talented enough to ask for an autograph? This gesture of asking for an autograph that, in his words, will be worth something someday, created a memory for me that inspires me when I'm lacking motivation or anxious about an upcoming performance. Now when I play, I can only hope to inspire at least one person with God's gift that he has given me. Two years ago, I went on our church's youth mission trip to Philadelphia. By far the coolest place we've traveled on a mission trip. We stayed at Broad Street Ministry, a church whose mission is to engage and activate their neighbors in Philadelphia 
so that they uh, spread the practice of radical hospitality. We did amazing work in the city, but I quickly realized that there were beliefs and practices that the church in Philadelphia had that I did not agree with. I spent one of the last nights in my small orange cot thinking about what I believed in, trying to solve some of my doubts that had risen from the trip. Early in the morning on the next day, I ran with some buddies from Broad Street Ministry to and up the Art Museum steps, the same route Rocky Balboa ran. After we all threw our arms in the air, mimicking the iconic scene in Rocky, I turned to look out at the city from the top of those steps. As I looked out onto the city, noticing the buildings designed by architects with a passion and the countless flags of countries around the world on John F. Kennedy Parkway, I was reminded of the gifts God gives to people and the communities all around the world that have been built around these passions. Seeing these flags gave me a sense of peace, but the feeling didn't last long. As an introvert, I tend to internalize things and let them build up, releasing them all at once. More doubts about my faith had been building up for over a year, so I asked to meet with my youth director, Rachel Little. We talked for a long time about doubts and questions. I was seeking solid, concrete answers for my questions. Rachel reminded me that it's okay to ask questions. Because of the strong community we have built at First Press Atlanta, we are a church that can ask questions. Questions are how we can advance as a church and grow as people. Our church is defined not just by what we say, but how we live. Our faith, too, is defined not just by what we say, but how we live. We need to be a community that invests in one another the way Paul and Ben invested in me. We need to be a community that brings encouragement to the passions and gifts God has given us the way my friend from the breakfast did. And we need to be a community that gives one another the space to ask questions and to be honest about our doubts and our hopes the way Rachel did for me. It's not who we are underneath, but what we do that defines us. Amen. Good morning. Green pastures, still waters, paths of righteousness. The rod and the staff, the full cup, the house of the Lord. These phrases evoke a sense of security, of dependability, of comfort. As humans, I think it's fair to say that we are often resistant to change. We don't like when things change. It can be small or big. It can be what's trendy and what's not. The technology we use changes. The prices and accessibility of our favorite products. It can be heavier, deep, deeper things too. Our emotions. The friends and family that surround us, our ideas of the future. Whether it's uncontrollable, like the seasons and natural disasters, or even something that's been on our horizon for years. We resist it. As a rising college freshman, I've known going to college was coming, but that doesn't make it any less discomforting. But as John F. Kennedy said, change is the law of life. Friends, change is, in fact, the world we live in. We don't like it, but it's there. We don't like it, but sometimes it is for the best. Friends, think about this pandemic. 
there were and are devastating impacts to this. Without even beginning to think about the economic and mental ramifications, the lives lost are more than enough devastation. But there's a plant in California called Baker's Globe Mallow. And when a forest fire strikes, it grows back stronger than ever before. I think that humanity is similar. We're persistent. And despite the devastating impacts of this time, the uneasiness caused by the unpredictable change in our worlds, it is making us stronger. What Psalm 23 brings is a comforting presence in a changing landscape. Contrasting the roaring rivers of our lives, the marching of time that can't be stopped, he leads me beside still waters. Contrasting the mountains of hardship that people face, Psalm 23 reminds us there are paths of righteousness. The rod and the staff, they comfort me. My cup overflows. Friends, God will always be there from before birth to after leaving earth. And right from the start, 1 John reminds us it was Jesus who laid down his life for us. And there's nothing we can do to match that. That's important to understand. But verse 16 calls for us to lay down our lives for our siblings. Comfort will always be from God, but we should try, as best we can, to provide comfort to each other. It's our duty, as walkers of the earth, to provide community wherever we can. The essence of community, I think, is best expressed through communion, a tradition close to the Christian faith. It's important to us. At that table, the very night of the Last Supper, Jesus knows a sacrifice is coming. By willingly sharing the bread and cup with us, he's, give, he's giving over his body and blood to us. We often think of communion literally, as when Reverend Sundermeyer holds up the bread and cup speaking of the Last Supper. And that experience, that literal moment, is extremely important. But the word communion is broader than that. Our tradition of communion is a communion, but surely not the only way. The bread and the cup happen at the table, but the act of communion goes beyond that table. When you connect with someone meaningfully, you experience communion. Part of the benediction at the end of each service, particularly the services where we partake in literal communion, is to go forth and take what we remember and learn in here, out there. The power of communion, that meaningful connection, is the base and foundation for any community. No group can be a community without some sort of connection. And that power of community and connection within that community is immeasurable. Because while Psalm 23 says that God is always there, 1 John builds on that by saying that because God is always there and because God sacrifices so much for us, it is our duty to attempt to do the same unto others. Verse 24, this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We know we can't match God's love and mercy, but it's our commandment to try. We still have the ability and the privilege 
of giving and receiving love. We have each other. As members of First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta, as residents of Atlanta, as citizens of this country, and most importantly, as God's creation, as humans. Can I get an amen? Come on, we can do better than that. Can I get an amen? <laughs> That's better. They don't call us the frozen chosen for nothing. <laughs> we, know we, can't, we know we can't match God's love and mercy. But as I said, it's our commandment to try. And I see that embodied on the Atlanta Beltline. I'm sure many of you have heard of it. For those that don't know about it, the Beltline is a 22-mile dirt and paved path that snakes across Atlanta for biking, roller skating, running, and walking. The path serves as a daily recreational and transportation route for hundreds of people and features graffiti and sculptures, a skate park, dozens of restaurants, and the occasional bike shop and grocery store. I occasionally walk on it with friends to get a bite to eat, and I frequently bike or run on it near a section, on a section near my school, Grady High School. I consider it not just a vibrant place of culture and Atlantan connectivity, but a community. I've come to know the other regulars on the Beltline, and there's nothing comparable to the power of someone nodding and smiling at you on the Beltline. Whether it's the person roller skating up and down, or the man drumming his constant beat on his drums under the bridge, the compassion in action, the community, brightens my day. I think the message that these texts bring is clear. Thank God, because I'm preaching on it. <laughs> but I see the message in two parts. God is always there, so we have a responsibility to attempt to always be there. God is always merciful, so we have a responsibility to attempt to always be merciful. God always exercises radical hospitality, just like those regulars on the Beltline. So we have a responsibility to do the same, to attempt to always exercise radical hospitality. He loves the orphan, the widow, and the stranger. So we have a responsibility to love those who feel they're missing community, who feel they're missing togetherness. Because togetherness is a powerful thing. You know, this country, this world, has been through a lot. From the Berlin Wall to 9-11 to this pandemic, the events of the world have shown time and time again the power of togetherness and community. And that's only the modern events. In the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus says the greatest commandment in two parts as well. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. He doesn't say we should love our neighbor as ourselves unless blank, unless political affiliation, unless religion, unless sexual orientation, unless country of origin. He says, love God and love thy neighbor as thyself, full stop. When asked about it in the temple, Jesus says the two in a smooth sentence, because to do one is to do the other. To love God is to love all others, and to love all others is to love God. Psalm 23 and 1 John embody those commandments, those ideals. 
that belief that love conquers all. And that's why togetherness is so important. That's why community and communion, the connection within community, is essential. And that's why this church has been so meaningful to me. FPC is a community, and I thank you for it. Amen.
Let us pray. Good shepherd, our souls are tired. We hear too easily the loud clamor of the world, but what we long for is the, whole, is the wholeness and restoration found in your presence. In this spirit, we have come to worship this morning, seeking your peace and hope. The psalmist wrote of green pastures, refreshing springs of water, places of rest. Offerings of quietness and comfort flood our thirsting souls. In the midst of the many trials and hardships of these recent days, we give thanks that there is one who leads us to quiet places where we can be restored. We pray this morning for our world. May we partner with you to heal our broken systems and bring forth true equity and justice. We pray for your sheep that you love so dearly, for those who are sick, lonely, weary, and burdened. We pray for those who are mourning. We pray for those who are overwhelmed. We pray for those who don't really know what to feel anymore. Lord, these days are hard, so we ask for an extra measure of your grace and peace. We ask that you'll be with us, strengthening us, encouraging us, and restoring us so that we would go out into the world as your people to love and serve with joy. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, it is true that the greatest gifts in life come to us wrapped up in flesh. The community and communion that we find at this table is not restricted to this room or this building. The community and communion of God's people extends through all of God's creation wherever two or more are gathered. Go knowing that you are not alone, that you are a part of this beloved community. And go knowing that the love of God, the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with us always. Amen.